Welcome to the Baseline Community Church Podcast. Um, you know, today's going to be kind of part of history of church, uh, looking at the Bible, the way God works with his people, talking about our church, the future, and my hope is that you will walk away today, and I'm just going to tell you up front, here's what I hope you walk away with, that you have a firm belief that God's hand has been on this church, is on this church, and will be on this church in the future. That, that is my desire and my hope and all that, and that we can ultimately trust him because of that. So, all right, so here's a little bit. We'll start with a biblical uh, history lesson. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we're not going to go quite that far, but you might remember that Joshua, we studied Joshua about a year ago, he brings the people into the promised land, okay? And they come into the promised land and they battle through the, all of that, but they form their nation. And then for about 360 years, they have what is called the time of the judges. And if you went to church and as a kid growing up, that's the time where you talked about Gideon and Deborah and, and uh, uh, Samson, and those are kind of the main judges. And then the people of God said, hey, we want a king just like all the other nations have. And God said, no, 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 you really don't want a king. They said, no, we want a king. And he said, oh, no, you don't. Need yeah, we do. So he said, okay, you can have a king. And Saul is the first king of Israel. And he starts out pretty well, but then he starts to lead in his own power and not listening to what God wants. And so God takes the kingdom away from Saul and gives it to David. And then David's son is Solomon. And that would be called what we call in history the golden age of Israel. It's when Israel is at its height. It is at its strongest. It's, it's flourishing. It's powerful. And, and that is the time. But then after Solomon dies, there's this brutal civil war that happens. And Israel is broken up into two countries. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And they each have kings. And they fight against each other. They fight against all the other countries around them. There are good kings. There are bad kings. But ultimately what happens in 721 BC, Israel, the northern part of that, is overtaken by the Assyrians and the people are distributed throughout all of Assyria. And then in 587, Judah is overtaken by the Babylonians and their people are taken into what's called exile. And all of God's people are now distributed all over that Middle East in different countries. And God has always had prophets who have spoken for him to his people. And one of the prophets that spoke to the people who were in exile is Isaiah. And here's what Isaiah says to the people in exile. And it's recorded in Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. I think differently. I have a bigger view, a larger view of what's happening. Most of the time, we're concerned with what we can see is happening. God's more concerned about what's happening on the inside of people. Now, if you had been a part of the nation of Israel that went into the promised land with Joshua and you start to have this nation that is formed, you would imagine that as God's people, your nation would just kind of keep going up and up and up and getting better and better and better, kind of that straight line up to the right. 
continue to flourish, continue to get stronger. But in reality, the history of Israel is much more up and down and up and down and up and down. And when you are in exile, about a thousand years after coming into the promised land, you would go, what is God doing? What is he up to? But he says, my ways are not your ways. So Ezra and Nehemiah will bring the people back into the land. They'll rebuild the temple that was destroyed. That They will rebuild Jerusalem that was destroyed. And they will continue to function as a nation, but usually under the domination of some other country. And Rome takes over Israel around 70 B.C. And then into this setting, into this setting of the people of God just wondering what is happening, into the setting of where they haven't heard from a prophet for 400 years, Jesus is born. Jesus is born. And Jesus, the Son of God, he, he teaches about the kingdom of God. He heals people. He casts out demons. He gathers a group of followers around him, and, he, and they start to, to learn what the kingdom is all about. They wonder, could this be the one that will bring the independence? Will this be the one that will bring Israel back up to where those golden years of David and, and Solomon and all of that? But then Jesus is arrested by the Romans. He's tried, he's convicted, he's crucified, and he dies. And then he rises from the dead three days later, which we'll get to celebrate in just three weeks or so. And then Jesus gathers his disciples, and it's recorded in Matthew 28. And here's what he says to his disciples. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So it's called the Great Commission. This is what you are supposed to do. Go out and make disciples of all the nations. Then, a few days later, it's recorded in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus says this to his disciples. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. Now, have you ever thought how confusing that might have been for the disciples? Okay, what you told us to go into all the nations, and now you just told us don't leave Jerusalem. What is it you want us to do? So they stay, but he says, wait in Jerusalem for my gift the Father's promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, a few days later, the band of disciples is gathered together. The Holy Spirit comes on them. They start speaking in languages that they don't even know. There are people in Jerusalem who hear their language being spoken and being talked about the glory of God. And the church is born, and it's this incredible moment called Pentecost. But the crowd that's watching this happen, this is what it says about them. Amazed and perplexed, they asked each other, what does this mean? What's, what's going on? What's happening? The ways of God are amazing and perplexing and surprising. A few days later, Peter and John are walking into the temple to pray, and uh, there's a man who's crippled there who's begging, and they say, hey, we don't have any money, but 
What we do have is we can heal you. They pull him up, and he starts walking. And then the crowd again that's around that sees this happen says this. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. And this is a theme that you see all through the book of Acts. That God's ways are wondrous. They are amazing. They are surprising. They are perplexing. It's not the way that we would think it would happen. Persecution then comes on the church and, and people are being killed for their faith, but that persecution actually causes the church to grow. One of the main persecutors of the church, this guy named Saul, actually meets Jesus. And he becomes the greatest evangelist and church leader of the early church. You wouldn't think that is how it would happen. One day, Peter, who's Jewish, is basically called by God to go to this man Cornelius' house. And he walks into the room and he goes, oh my goodness, you're all Gentiles. I shouldn't even be in the same room. But he tells them about Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit comes on these Gentiles. And Peter is amazed at what's happened. It's not the way he thought it was going to go. Paul and his companions, Silas and Timothy and Luke, are, are praying. They're saying, Lord, where do you want us to go? We've tried to go these other places and it happened. And then the Lord gives them a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, hey, come on over to Macedonia. So they get on a boat and they land in Philippi. The next day is the Sabbath and they go out and they think they'll find a bunch of men praying somewhere, but they don't, but they find some women. And a woman named Lydia is the first convert, the first member of this new church. Then Paul and Silas get arrested, but while they're in prison, there's an earthquake, you remember the story, and the jailer then becomes a follower of Jesus. The church is started with a woman and a jailer. Not what you would think. And this continues to happen. And so the theme in the book of Acts is God is doing things, and oftentimes it is amazing, perplexing, and surprising. And that God's ways are higher than our ways, and not what we would have thought. And the church continues to grow over time and, again, has ups and downs and all these things throughout history. And then we get to 1958. It's a big jump, I know. And a man named Dr. Donald Morris moves into Claremont. And he and his family, they meet another family named the Norman family. And they both realize, as they're talking, that they're like, hey, we want to start a General Baptist church. And say, well, let's start a church together. And I have to ask myself at this point, why would you start a church? And it's because these two families realize that they are a part of this stream that has continued from that Great Commission. That all of us are a part of what God is doing that all of us need to be a part of helping go and make disciples everywhere. And so these two families get together, and then they gather some other families. And then in August of 1962, they have their first public church meeting, and it's actually in Claremont High School, which is actually now called the Old Schoolhouse. And 23 people show up 
for this first church service. And they call themselves Crestview Baptist Church. And that's in August of 1962. In September of 1962, just a month later, they purchased the land that our church is now on, about five acres here in Claremont. And they bought it for $37,500, <laughs> which we think, oh my gosh, what would this be worth now? And, but back then, I'm sure $37,000 was a lot of money. It was a sacrifice of a lot of people to buy this plot of land. The first actual service was held in January of 1963. There used to be a, a white, uh, like, A-framed house in the back, kind of where the amphitheater is that we have now. And that's where they started having their church meetings was back there. And then over time, the church started to grow, and more people started to come. And then in the, the fall of 1967, they started raising money to build a new facility, a new sanctuary. And in January 7th, 1968, they broke ground to build this sanctuary. And that's one of my favorite pictures right there. It's a great picture of just the overall ministry of the church, where one woman is doing all the work, <laughs> and all the guys are just watching. Okay? It's like, that's just Typical of the church. All right. So that's what happened. But the church building that we're sitting in here today and, and, the, and where we have toddlers and nursery and all that, they were completed on July 14, 1968, and the new uh, service, first service was here, here. And then you have years of growth, years of decline. You had unfortunate church splits that happened. You had mergers that happened. All of that stuff happened over time. Then we'll move to 1988. A group of folks, four original couples from Cornerstone Church, uh, the Woods, the Bixby's, uh, John and Gail Wallace, and the Coziels, were the first four families that said, hey, we think that something different can happen. And then they gathered some other folks, the Becklers, the Halls, you were a part of that, the Wallaces, you guys were a part of that, and started meeting as a Bible study. And they wanted to start a new church. And, and you have to ask yourself, these were folks in their early 30s. They had young kids. There were lots of things they could do, but they wanted to start a church. And you ask yourself, why? Why would we want to start a church? And it's because people's souls matter. People who are far away from God need a place where they can come and hear about God. People who have a relationship with Jesus need to learn how to follow him. So these couples got together and said, let's start a church. And they called it Horizons Community Church. And it met at APU. It met at a movie theater in Covina. It met at Diamond Bar High School. It met at Lone Hill Intermediate School in San Dimas. And the whole purpose, again, was let's create a place 
where people can come to know Jesus. Let's be in that stream of the church that believes that the Great Commission matters. So again, years of growth, years of decline, times uh, going up, down, years and years and years of setting up and tearing down, all of that. And then in fall of 2003, some members from here, Crestview, went to and visited Horizons at Lone Hill, and they liked what they saw. They liked the life that they experienced there, the people they met. And so they started in a conversation about, hey, let's merge our two churches together. So in January of 2004, the services, the two churches merged, and the folks from Crestview actually went down to Lone Hill, and that's where it first started. These facilities survived, you might remember, the fire that happened in the fall of 2003 as a miracle in many respects. And then in September of 2004, everything was moved up here onto this campus. And we started meeting as Baseline Community Church. And for the last 18 years, Baseline Community Church has had seasons of growth and seasons of decline. Seasons when you couldn't find a seat in the sanctuary. Seasons when your kids were maybe the only ones in Kid Zone that week. And I've been on the staff here for 15 of those 18 years. First three as an associate pastor, the last 12 as senior pastor. And I know that I have not done everything right. I know that every decision I've made has not been correct. I know that we've started programs that didn't work. I realize that there are sermons that just fell flat. I know that some of my weaknesses as a leader has contributed at times for what's happened in terms of us possibly going, having down times and some of the struggles we've experienced. But I can also tell you this, that for 15 years, every morning when I wake up and think about this church, my only desire is that people would come to know Jesus, that they would grow to love him more, that they would develop greater community with each other, and that we would have an impact in our community. That's my only desire. That's what it's been. So for 60 years, the church that we're a part of has been in existence. It's had 16 different senior pastors. It's had five different names. It's had three previous mergers. It has two sets of building plans that have been unused. Thousands of people have been impacted by this church. Scores of missionaries have been supported over the years. Literally, tens of thousands of Operation Christmas child boxes have been sent around the world. We've had mission trips to Haiti, Kenya, Czech Republic, and Mexico. We support Casa Esperanza as with so much of our hearts. We continue to feed folks through Pomona Promise. We have In His Steps Sundays. We have the Barnabas Fund that has literally, again, given away tens of thousands of dollars to people in need. 
And what I want you to know is this. This church is not done. We are not finished. So we get to 2022. And we are in a season of change and transition. We are in really good talks with Grace of Laverne about merging our two churches together. So how did we get here? Here's what I would say. A couple of years before COVID hit, we were in a time of, of decline for whatever reason. And COVID hit us, and it hit us. It hit all churches hard. It hit, I would say it hit us especially hard. Again, I've said this before. We had 10 families that just moved during COVID. We've had seven or eight families that left because of the racial justice stuff that we've done, and we haven't done that much. And it was some that said we were way too conservative and some that said we were becoming too liberal. But because of those folks leaving and others that we don't really know in some ways, about 40% of our giving has gone. And you cannot function as a church in the same way as you were before. So I um, actually went to the elder board about a year ago, and I'd been listening to podcasts, looking at leadership stuff, and saying, you know what, every church coming out of COVID is going to have to think of themselves as a church plant. It's the only way you will survive. And I also told the elders, I was creeping into my 60s, let's just say, um, that I didn't believe I had the energy to do a church plant. And so they put a group together, and uh, the transition team, which is made up of seven folks from our church, and they did surveys, and they interviewed folks, and they came up with some of the same findings that I was believing. They've seen that a lot of our young families had left, our young couples had left for various reasons. They saw that um, we had become older as a church, and that if we continued in the trajectory that we were in, it was not sustainable, unless there were some changes that were made. And their number one recommendation was that we looked to see if there was another church we might merge with. So then another group was put together and looked at about three different possible churches that had said we, they might be interested in merging with us. And um, the elders had looked at everything and agreed with all of this, and they were moving this, this process along. And Grace of Laverne quickly came to the top of the list of the church that made the most sense for us to think about merging with. And part of that's because they are also in a church. They're also a church that's in a time of need. They've been a church without a home for 25 years. They were meeting at Laverne Lutheran, then they were meeting at Benita High School, and now they're renting facilities from another church. And they are a little worn out. And so it made sense for the two of us to start talking about this. And here's why I feel really confident about the way we're moving, is that there has been a lot of people from Baseline that have been a part of these teams. There's a lot of people that have been praying for discernment. There are a lot of people that are kind of asking questions. This is a process that has taken nine months. It's not me saying, hey, I think we need to merge. It's not just a couple people in our church saying this. It's a group of us saying, we believe this is the best way forward for our church. 
and it's taking time, and we're doing it right. So we have not merged yet. We are in talks about merging. They're really good, and we're moving ahead with this. And there will be some changes that happen. And here's the first one. For Easter, we're doing a combined service with grace. We're not being, well, we won't be merged by then for sure, but these two churches have said, let's do Easter week together. So uh, Good Friday, we'll do a service in here all together. Uh, Easter sunrise service will be at 6.30 out at our usual spot. Kenzel will be preaching at that. And then on uh, Easter morning, we'll have, okay, here's a big change, two services instead of one, 9 o'clock and at 11. And Chris Jackson, who's the pastor at Grace, and I are splitting the sermons for those two messages. But it will still be the same festive time. We're having food and all of that stuff in between service. But we're doing food differently. Okay? So in the past, the church, we have bought all of the food, all the fruit, all the donuts, all that stuff, the baked goods, all those things. So I just want to take a moment right here to thank the Malulis. If you guys are watching, thank you for what you've done the last few years. Tamara Lemon, thank you for going to Donut Man and getting donuts for us all the time for that. Katrina White, thank you for organizing that every week. Betty Hall, thank you so much for organizing all that we did. Pat Canatero, thank you for organizing all that you did for food on that day. But we're not doing it the same way. This is how Grace does it. It's brilliant. They allow all of us to do it. So I have 20 of these trays. And on the tray, it tells you, will you please fill this tray with, with the baked goods? and bring it on Easter Sunday by 10 o'clock. And then some of them say, uh, fill it with fresh fruit. And instead of the church buying everything and people putting it, we all do it together. So we've got 20 of these. They've got 40 of these. There's going to be a lot of food on Easter Sunday. But it's great. It's a great change. There will be a name change. And it will not be Graceline. Okay? We, we don't know what it will be, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be Graceline. There will be a new senior pastor. Chris Jackson will be the senior pastor if this happens. Now, Chris and I have been friends, pastor friends, for 12 years. What pastor friends are is you get together for coffee or lunch a few times a year, and you just share what's happening in your church. And you say, I am so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's happened to me too. Yeah, I went through that. I know how that is. And so we've been that friends in that way, and it's been great. And he's a good man. He is a great person. He's a really good communicator, and he's a great leader. And I think you'll really enjoy getting to know him. There will be more people. They're probably at this point about twice as big as we are. So after we merge, and, or if we do merge, um, there will be Sundays where there's people sitting in your seat. <laughs> and so you might have to find another place to sit, but that will be a good problem for us. And some of the, pro some of the changes we're going to really like, like the trays for food, others are going to be really difficult. 
And I think we just will have to be ready for that. So I realize that in some ways this is not going to be easy and that there will be a sense of loss. And we're committed to helping us all walk through that sense of loss. But the only reason we're doing this, the only reason we're in conversation with this and having this is this. We believe this is the best way forward for our church and for Grace of Laverne for God to use us now and in the future. That, that one plus one will not equal two, but one plus one will equal three or four. And that we will be able to have a greater impact as we combine together. So let me finish with this. Here are the four things I believe that God wants to say to Baseline Community Church at this time. He wants to say to us. The first one is this. In, in Matthew 16, Jesus says, I will build my church. So this is Jesus' church. He is grateful for the stewardship that we have done over the last 60 years in different ways. And he says, continue to do that good work. Continue to be a good steward of this. The second thing Jesus says to us is this. My ways are not your ways. I see the bigger picture. I know what's happening I know things can be frustrating at times, but I understand things beyond what you do. The third thing is this. Continue to be amazed with what I will do. Continue to have your eyes open for ways God is moving. Be perplexed. Be amazed. Be surprised. Have wonder about what God is doing in the future through this church. And then the fourth thing is this. What really matters is that people come to know Jesus and follow him. It's that great commission. That that is what really matters. And however we can do that best, that's what God wants to do for us. So in the midst of this change, in the midst of what's happening, my call for us is this to continue to trust that Jesus is with us, continue to trust that Jesus is with you, and continue to trust that Jesus will be with us as we step into the future he has for us. Let me pray for us. So Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the history, and again, so thankful for the people who've gone before us who've sacrificed, who've given of themselves in so many wonderful ways that this church could be here. And we pray, Lord, and trust that you're doing a good thing and pray, Lord, that you would continue to lead us, to guide us, and sustain us to be the church you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Baseline Community Church, please go to BaselineCC.com.